<sighs> All right. Back at it, Dave. Yes, back at it. Back at recording. You have internet now. I do. That helps. I do. Like a real, a real internet company uh, is finally coming and taking care of me after I did some legwork. It's finally happening for me. Which is what? Angry phone calls? I mean, it wasn't even angry. It was like confused phone calls. Like, why does my next door neighbor have your service and I do not? I am confused by this. <laughs> And equally confused, I guess, uh, live chat agents. Yeah, yeah, they were like, yeah, that doesn't make sense. You're right. Five years ago, Thanos erased half of the population of the universe. But the people of this planet brought everyone back with a snap of a finger. The sudden return of the population provided the necessary energy for the emergence to begin. Seven days. We're Eternals. We came here 7,000 years ago to protect humans from the deviants. Why didn't you guys help fight Thanos? Or any war, or all the other terrible things throughout history. We were instructed not to interfere in any human conflicts unless deviants are involved. By who? We need to find the others. I haven't seen some of them for centuries. Hello. This is what the end of the world looks like. At least we have front row seats. You know what's never saved the planet? Your sarcasm. We have loved these people since the day we arrived. When you love something, you protect it. Fall collection, Ikea. And now uh, here I am, uh, you know, switching everything, switch my phone, switch my internet. Uh, so my bills have been a little heavy the last couple months because there's always that that period of time where you're paying for both. Uh, it's not it's not good. Uh, so... <laughs> I'm sure our listenership appreciates your sacrifice. I know. You're welcome. You're welcome, dozens of people. <laughs> I'm kind of glad we waited because um, I wanted to check. And, uh, you know, when we were going to record this initially for opening weekend of Eternals, uh, there was a lot of hate. Um, and I look at the Rotten Tomato score and it didn't really move. 
Uh, it's still rotten, 47%, which I think there was a big hubbub because has there not been a rotten Marvel movie yeah, before? Yeah, surprisingly, I no. Been. I think this is the first one. Like, even stuff that people, I think, generally agree are bad, like Thor 2, for instance. I think that's like 60 or 70%. So this is a, this is a first. Uh, You're right. 66% fresh for Thor The Dark World, <laughs> that much-beloved film. Right, right, which is crazy to me. Um and I don't know, like, so I didn't love this movie. I, I think I liked it a little more than you do. But, like, is this that much better or worse than any other MCU Disney conglomerate mm. movie that has been put out? I mean, it. Here's the problem. Okay. No one cares about these characters. Well, yeah. No one cares. Yeah. And sure. I know that's a weird thing to say when we're talking about, uh, you know, Rocket Raccoon. <laughs> In <laughs> a talking tree, but that's I love that you refuse to put that in the right order. I love that you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, you're right. It's it's interesting. It, it has, and what do you think the reason is for that? Right? Because like you know, Guardians of the Galaxy. It's too diverse. No, it, that's what it is. It's too diverse. <laughs> Not enough white people. We need more raccoons and trees, uh, and less uh, people of color. Is that what that's you're saying? True diversity not this shit human form that's that's old hat at this point uh what is the issue here um i, I mean just from, from a basic plot construction thing without getting into the uh the sort of hot takes of uh you know, with any superhero movie I, i'm always curious about uh stuff being too woke mm. uh or not because i quote I've, unquote yes well i mean this is all it's all made for dorks. Like it's all right. Right. <laughs> like it's all weird shit. It's all people in weird leather and spandex. Like they're all off the beaten path. Uh, there's nothing about Superman as classic as he is. That looks like a normal, you know, quote unquote, normal, uh, average white straight guy, as far as how he chooses to drape himself when he's doing very masculine things. So that's always weird to me. And this is, I mean, no different. Um, I would say just as just as a movie, uh, there's far too many fucking characters that don't have any real discernible difference. Right. Uh, they're all under the same plight. They do have a small, I guess, character beat uh, that they hit a couple of times for right. Angelina Jolie's character, that there's like a mental health angle to this basically sure. godlike being. But the rest of them are, for the most part, hanging out. Yeah. Hanging yeah. out for centuries. And my <laughs> biggest problem with the film is I don't think you feel it. It's yeah. like we, we check in with these characters. It's a very but... quick uh, passage of time in this. <laughs> Even though it's centuries, you're like, was that last week? or like, Exactly. Let's... Yeah. <laughs> it's like they pick up a conversation that happened a century ago as if they're like they had to take another phone call to deal with their internet service and then they click back over and they're like so what were we talking about again oh yeah i don't agree with you on this and it's like that right. happened thousands of years ago i i got the strong sense that um if disney plus had come along sooner that this film wouldn't exist at all this mm. reeks of tv series low rent characters and the actual story they're wanting to tell probably would work better in an episodic form. Yeah, no, I agree. And you would, you would feel God. the time definitely yeah. in that sense. Um, it's a, it's a weird Marvel movie to me because I'm, there's things I really like about it. I actually like this stuff with, uh, uh, with Angelina Jolie, um, and like her and her, you know, it essentially becomes like her caretaker. I think that right. stuff really works very well. Um, uh, what doesn't work well is the imagery in the movie. Like, 
we've had our discussions about Chloe Zhao, but this is a bland, brown, ugly movie to look at. Um, Stop making Zack Snyder look so great. Seriously, you're making <laughs> it look damn right, <laughs> damn right colorful. Um, but I think the big thing that doesn't work for me, and it's a big problem for this movie, the whole movie is built on this supposed love story between Cersei and Icarus, played by Gemma Chan and Richard Madden, and they have zero chemistry together. Like, no. I feel I feel nothing when they're together. Like, I was just like, what? And if you don't buy that, then you don't buy everything else that happens. And it's a shame because there's stuff in it later that Marvel movies usually don't do. Like they 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 look at morally gray areas as opposed to just the black and white, like the choices that are made by the Eternals and the end of the movie and how they kind of split apart and come back together. That stuff is really interesting, but it's all built on this love story. And that love story, like, do you remember a single moment between them where there was like, and there's a sex well, scene and there's the movie, no passion. Like the movie is so long. I forgot right. that there was a love story between the two characters until they bring it up again towards the end. I'm like, Oh yeah, that did happen four hours ago. Yes. Yes. I do remember that there was a thing between you two. Right. Um, but I don't know if that's a, uh, case of uh richard madden himself uh i'm not a game of thrones guy and i guess you get do you get what two of them At yeah two both of them are in it yeah yeah john snow and then whatever this fucker was <laughs> whoever he was on there uh he went to a wedding i know that he attended yeah. a wedding yeah yeah, that's what know about the yeah it was uh, a memorable wedding yes that's true yes <laughs> <laughs> as we strangely try to not spoil something well, that the internet no. has long gone over <laughs> yes. uh but you know that's my kindness for the day i guess yes. um I can't say that, you know, I do feel like because you have a uh, female filmmaker and a diverse cast that there is an element of the internet that wanted so desperately for this to succeed. Mm -hmm. And what I texted you is it just seems like more Marvel bullshit, except right. um, there's less inherent coolness in that Thor Hulk doesn't show up. Like, right. there's, I don't have those particular attachments to these characters. Certainly, I think if you're a Jack Kirby fan... Uh, this is not <laughs> the vanilla, bland-looking uh, representation right. that you would want from him. This is an opportunity. How, like <laughs> how uh, visually sort of out there he was on the page, how vibrant it was. This is not exactly Kirby-esque in any regard. And, and honestly, if you're going to pick someone to make a Kirby film, which, no offense to her, but Chloe Zhao does not make big, bold, colorful movies. Like even stuff that is you know, really great. Like the writer, it's, it's about like the, you know, the, the expanse of America. It's not about like big, bold colors and flashy signature moves. It's like, it's Brown. And it's like, why <laughs> would you pick brown. her? Why would you pick her for this, this one specifically? So are you, are you positing Dave? Here, oh, let's boy. get the hot take. There we go. <laughs> that this uh, Academy Award winning best director uh -huh. is not half the filmmaker that James Gunn is. <laughs> I mean, I don't even really like James Gunn that much either. So it's, <laughs> I mean, I sat through the Suicide Squad. That movie sucked too. They're just different kinds of sucking. Oh, like so much is... more entertaining than this. So much more entertaining. Well, and yeah, the... yeah. I mean, it's it's but very also tongue in cheek we... and over the top. Like the similar problem of I don't care about any of these characters. Right. I don't know right. who any of them are. I guess there's a jokey detachment. From that, there's that right, sort of wink-wink, right. wink, we know you don't care about these characters, whereas, you know, they, they never get over the hump with this one as far as, and they try to, like, um, so uh, it's kind of office spacey. So what would you say you do here, Eternals? What do you, <laughs> <laughs> yes. once you show up on Earth, what have you been up to? It's, a, it's a weird, 
it's a weird comic book story because it's basically a bunch of superpowered beings that just do what they're told. Like that's <laughs> <laughs> they have a boss and their boss says, "No, no, don't get involved in this snap business. That's nothing to do with us. Let them grow on their own. Do this over here when I fucking tell you to." <laughs> like it's, it's very strange. Like I think we're used to we're used to superheroes that you know, go rogue and go on their own and do the right thing, even in difficult circumstances. And this is just like, everyone just kind of gets in line until like maybe the second half of this movie. Uh, and I think you're right. It gets to that point that like, not that we don't care about these characters. We don't know these characters. We don't have a connection to them built in. Like, even if you're not a comic book fan, you know who the incredible Hulk is. You know who Thor is. You know, who Captain America is. You probably even know, you know, black widow. Like you at least have an, an semblance of an idea. These characters, like, let's be real about this. The Eternals comic book was a gigantic failure when it came out. Like, this is not something that is held in high esteem. That so in that remember. regard, you're saying that uh, Chloe Zhao has done the most curby thing possible. Yeah, yeah making the she first really Marvel did. failure <laughs> in the cinematic mean, landscape. It is, like, weirdly, <laughs> it weirdly does line up in kind of a nice way. But I'm sure it still made plenty of money. I'm sure, it, you know, like, but... Critically, definitely did not do well. But I'm still struggling. Take a loss on this. I Mm. I don't know if they're playing in China, but it's Mm. like it's at well, it's it's also man territory, which is you know, I guess the ultimate Marvel insult. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) it's also got issues in the fact that like in certain other cultures, this is not either not going to play well or it's not going to play at all because there is a there's actually a gay character. In this movie, who's in a relationship with someone of the same gender. So there's there's obviously got to be pushback to that. But it is, like, still... I mean, I like that bit of the movie. But it is still, like, a very Marvelized version of that. It's very clean. And, you know, there's no real rough edges to it. It's like, oh, look at this nice, clean-cut, interracial gay couple. Like, it's very... <laughs> but for Marvel, that is dramatic. Because they've never done that before. So I was glad to see that. And I liked that character be. But I wish you saw, like some passion between those two men also some passion between our lead characters who have a sex scene so like just give me something i wish i saw a passion in the fucking movie it just yeah anywhere (laughs) it is very it does keep you at a distance in in a lot of ways it really does the only character that I sort of enjoyed, um, I guess, you know, his powers or his dilemma is the the weird kid from uh, The Killing of a Sacred Deer. Actually, he's just yeah. weird in most movies. In everything. In everything. He's just Green a weird Knight dude. Green earlier this year. Yep. yep. Um, and, you know, he, he – I don't know. His powers, he, some form of mind control basically, yep. right? Uh, so, you know, I'm not uh, an Eternals fan. I don't I don't really even know who these characters are other than some of the imagery from, like, seeing like, cool Kirby artwork. Uh, right. Like, I have, like, a – a book, I think it's just like Kirby, the King of Comics. And it's basically like a coffee table book of like, look at all these pretty pictures. But, you know, his, he, he's the one, I guess, presenting the, um, the, the dilemma of, you know, action or inaction as far as what, here's right. what we're capable of. Why are we being told to wait to, to what end, to what purpose? Right. And the, it's like, there's just enough of those sequences where they touch on it. They have, <laughs> They have these, I guess, middle management meetings uh, yes. where, like, most of them, nothing is accomplished. And then they meet back hundreds of years yeah. later. Let's try this again. <laughs> <laughs> Has anything changed? Nope. The world's gotten worse. Yep. Um, I I don't even know if you can, uh, you can broach that subject without the characters becoming, to some degree, unlikable. If you're waiting for them to do something. Right. If the, you, know, you brought up Captain America. You know, it's funny how... 
much time was spent with characters who at least in pop culture people recognize them on a t-shirt or a, a towel or something they recognize the imagery of captain america but there was it was exhaustive as far as what the mcu did <laughs> to set up those characters that people for the most part right. thor has a hammer he's a god and this one here it's <laughs> funny like we're gonna give you 18 fucking eternals Right. Briefly we'll give you five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> One of them's a Bollywood star. Okay, let's go. Like, it's Which was just, fun. I, yeah, I enjoyed I like that. that. I enjoyed some personality. Like, okay, yeah. at least one of them found something to do while on yes. this, this planet. Uh, but yeah, it just it's just struck me as odd that for a film that – or for a, a cinematic universe that is almost cautious to a fault about we need every quadrant to understand who this character is. Like, yeah, 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 we get it. Uh, we've seen Spider-Man in like, you know, nine movies at this point, but they still want to introduce the best friend. They kind of set up the high school setting, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. This concept being more cosmic in nature. I don't know why where the, the, the chutzpah here to be like, just throw it out there. People it's Marvel. People will get Marvel's Eternals. And I, I have to admit, Dave, I'm, I'm kind of pleased. I'm pleased that, <laughs> you know, financially and critically, there's like, there is an end point. Like, no, no, no not That's everything. enough now. Yeah. <laughs> we've, <laughs> we've, we've done enough. Yeah. And I don't know. I'm surprised that it's, that it's this one that, I, I mean, I just, like, I, I keep struggling with the fact that I don't, I don't really see that big of a difference other than the fact that like, yes, in the earlier movies, it was based on like usually one hero. Um, and so you get two hours with it. So you get basically at least 45 minutes of buildup of that character before you unleash that character in terms of power. And this, it's just like powers right away. And, and now we'll, I guess, do some character work over the next two hours and 20 minutes, but it will be very half-assed because we don't ha really have time to really break down these seven or eight characters. So you just get little beats. Um, and some of the beats are good, you know, but it doesn't ever really come together. Like... Yeah, uh, it's a it's a bit of a rough watch, and I do find myself wishing now that you said it that this was you know instead of you know the fucking Loki show, make this into your Disney Plus TV show. <laughs> Although let's be honest with, uh, with ourselves, would either you or I have watched? No, like absolutely not. We wouldn't have even no, we never would have no, because I've no. I haven't watched a single Disney Plus show. And here I'm saying, yeah, this would have been better off as that. It's almost like this would have been better off. Get it away from my eyes, Just out of my life. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. But here I am. You know, the premise of this show, this podcast is I made the choice to go watch this. So yeah. I'm part of the problem. Yes. Uh, but I have something better, Dave. Yeah, you do. Which ties into it. Yeah. Okay. Sarah Roberts is in jeopardy. Hey, lady. How about it? Stay with her. Help her. For she has begun to feel the awful horror of the hunger. John Blaylock. The hunger has given him everlasting life. Until now, pray for him. Miriam Blaylock. She feeds one day in seven on the unsuspecting, and soon she will turn into something that you will never be able to forget. No matter how hard and how long you try, fear her. What have you done to me? Forever and ever. Life signs terminate right here. The 
timeless beauty of Catherine Deneuve, the cruel elegance of David Bowie, the open sensuality of Susan Sarandon, combined to create a modern classic of perverse fear. Mysterious, sensual, strange, perverse, riveting. The Hunger. So Tony Scott's The Hunger. I believe his first film from 1983. You had never seen this That's before correct. watching for this podcast? That's correct. I'd never how, seen it. How, how is that possible? This, this, to me, I don't know. We haven't talked about it. To me, this so aligns with something yeah, you would love. Yeah. So I'm just wondering how it's just I, it just never came up. I have I have no explanation for this this is a movie that's that it's i don't have the excuse of like well i just never heard of it like it just like missed me somehow i definitely heard of it and it's definitely one of those like i should really watch that but i think it was one of those that like was hard to find streaming for a bit there like so it just wasn't like as readily available and i am at my heart a very lazy person um so unless it's for oh, a, unless someone gives me a homework assignment I'm like ah, I'll get to it eventually but then, oh it's for a podcast okay I'll finally watch the homework. I have a a slight preview on uh I'm going to disappoint or uh, as you said our dozen listeners uh for next episode uh for Odd Man Out mm-hmm. on how how I chose to watch it even even when you gifted me a Criterion Blu-ray copy <laughs> I'm going to be so mad I can tell already <laughs> Anyway, the hunger. We both like the hunger. Let's let's yes, go back to our yes. happy place. No positive, yes. So we have in this film uh, David Bowie uh, as a vampire that likes to uh, go to early '80s, uh, very gothic rock clubs and pick up um, a couple for himself and his lady friend. Mm-hmm. I'm in in the first five Already. minutes. I'm yeah, like, oh, yeah. I, this I don't is care great. what happens. <laughs> now, there's something that uh, a best director winner can learn. If Eternals had started uh, with Camille Nanjani and some sort of goth club, just picking up, <laughs> I would Nine absolutely watch that oh, movie. Yes, yes. Oh. Um, <laughs> I I don't. I think I came to this for uh, an, an old uh, War Machine versus War Horse now trilogy and theory uh, episode. I'm pretty sure it was like homework I gave myself, and I don't know if we were talking about. <laughs> vampire movies um i don't want i mean i don't want to mislead people who have not seen this because i mean it's very much is uh vampire in the sort of that sort of brooding sense like mm-hmm. you know dealing with immortality um far more effective i don't think it's I don't, it's not a hot take to say than eternals that <laughs> as far as how someone deals with living for centuries <laughs> was that was that your connection was like for between these two movies was like Eternals. You know what else is Eternal? Vampires. That's, <laughs> <is it? laughs> I honestly, you know, based on the trailers for Eternals, I'm just like, you know, I don't, I think even there, they're like, you know, Thanos, you know, when he had his snap heard around the world, you know, we could do nothing. You know, we had to sit and watch. And um, my thought was, well, I know a movie where David Bowie uh, thinks he's going to live forever. And when he finds out uh, that may not be the case, uh, or at least not living um, the lifestyle he's accustomed to, how he's going <laughs> to spend immortality. Uh, 
boy, does he get fucking pissy about it. And I was thinking, <laughs> <laughs> my hope was that there was, you know, other than one monologue from the, the weird kid from all the indie movies, anything A24 related, my hope was that there was going to be one Eternal that was much like David Bowie here, that when he starts to go bald, this is horse loses, shit. His, loses his fucking shit. <laughs> That's my type of vampire movie, Dave. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, this does, like, line up with kind of everything I like. Also stars, like, you know, favorite of this podcast. Catherine Deneuve, uh, mm-hmm. who we just talked about in Repulsion, maybe having a little bit more fun uh, in The Hunger than in, <laughs> than in Repulsion. She's like not a little the best bit. with breakups. She yeah. kinda, <laughs> it's like a pre-cell uh, phone version of, of ghosting. Right. Like, yeah. You know, I'm just gonna lock you in the here. basement. Is that <laughs> just, just, just just quiet you? I'm gonna be upstairs looking beautiful and living Ugh. my life. You're, You're gonna old be... and ugly now. Yeah. I, I no, thank I you. Didn't sign up for this. Yes, absolutely. Um, but what I was saying was, I I also don't want to mislead people as far as you know looking at it as like a vampire horror film. I do think it's horrific. But I think it's more horrific from what a real person right. uh, probably fears about uh, their own mortality, about uh, getting older, than it is about uh, you know this is not the vampire Lestat uh, that's wondering why is Brad Pitt <laughs> not in love with me anymore? Why doesn't he want to have fun with me? Um, so I think strangely, it's a little bit more grounded for a vampire film. Uh, the most so I, that that's part of why I dug it. Now, you know, did I mentioned the the loss of hair, yeah. agonizing? Yes. Yeah, so it's, <laughs> it's brutal. I mean, I kind of like that. So you know, I tend to get annoyed with vampire movies that are have the brooding vampires who are like so sad they're vampires. Like I'm like, ugh, I just can't. I like the fact that this is like they're upset not because like oh I don't want to live this life. I don't want to drink, but, like, I don't want to get old. Like, the whole reason I did this is so I wouldn't get old. This is bullshit. Why am I getting old? Why am I getting old? And quickly, like, overnight, like, aging 50 years or so. Like, I I like that little bit of a twist on it. I also like that we have, you know, our lead human character is, like, a researcher on sleep and aging. And I thought that's, like, a neat little hook and an understandable reason that David Bowie's character goes to her and tries to get get this help. It's less... I I think it's like, especially for a movie that, you know, has sex scenes and has, you know, these nightclub scenes and all this, it's kind of a remarkably efficient movie. Like, it makes really good use of its time. It's not something that messes around. Like, you have the... You have the kind of like Wes Craven introduction. Wes Craven has this thing in horror movies where he's like, if you do something crazy in the opening scene, you could get away with a bunch of story for the next 20, 30, 40 minutes. And that's kind of what this does here. You have the nightclub scene to kind of set this up like, oh, it's a sexy vampire movie. And then they kind of flip it on you like, no, David Bowie's ugly now. Ha ha. You weren't ready for this. <laughs> and But it gets away with it because it has enough of the kind of titillation and the fun of whether it be the nightclub scene or the very extended lesbian sex scene uh, that happens later in this movie. Like it gives you all of what you want. Wasn't even a thought in my head, Dave. That lesbian (laughs) sex scene. Yeah. Right. Liar. Liar. Chloe Zhao could learn from Tony Scott. You know, who doesn't hold back, you know, who doesn't make movies that are bland (laughs) or didn't make movies that are bland. God rest his soul is Tony fucking Scott. Like even if, even if there's movies of his that I don't like, like I think Domino is like just a bad movie. I'm never bored during his movies. Like it is a fun time. It is enjoyable. Like Ridley Scott maybe may have higher highs than Tony Scott, but Tony Scott, like if if you put in a Tony Scott movie, you're gonna have a good time. And there's there's something really comforting about that. 
Like, his movies are not hard work. Like, whether it's The Hunger or it's Unstoppable, you know, like, you're going to have a great time at the movies. And I, you know, I'm i mad at myself that I hadn't watched this until now. So thank you for finally assigning the homework that I got to enjoy. Yeah, I mean, obviously, if you go to uh, Blade Runner, Alien, uh, those are hard right. to topple. Uh, from Thelma <laughs> Louise, own... like... Well, you know, from my own sensibilities, I mean, that's that's those are two lovely ladies there, but I'm going to go with the one where Susan Strandon fucks a beautiful <laughs> yes, woman yes. instead. That's there just that's just my taste. Um, <laughs> I think that um, when you're talking about being sort of beholden, um, obviously Chloe Zhao getting <laughs> buckets of money and uh, you know some degree Good of for comfort her. for whatever <laughs> she wants to do later after yeah. doing this Marvel entry. Um, hopefully not, you know, like James Gunn, where she just got to run to the other comic book company and do something with them <laughs> yes, and then come yes. back and forth, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Um, I do think that there is something about, uh, someone sort of coming out of the gate swinging with, I guess what would be seen as, especially in the eighties, maybe a version of, um, a safe play with a, a you know a horror film. Now mm. I, I think it's got obviously Tony Scott's own sort of sensibility on it. I don't know, and I'm kind of interested. I want to do like a YouTube dive to see if I can find any of the the old trailers or sort of the response uh, when it came out because this one uh, because it's my pick, uh, although it's slightly uh, better in reviews, fifty five percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, this is one that I. It's funny because when I came to it, it was in my mind, a classic vampire story, like, cause mm-hmm. of our age, uh, this being early eighties. And I felt like it was well-regarded among film snobs. So right. it was interesting that, I, I mean, it was glorious for me on this show. That I'm like, Oh, <laughs> I get to pick this. Like, yes. I didn't like it. <laughs> Thank God. Um, <laughs> There's definitely been a switch in it. And I think in a previous episode, we talked about a movie that Roger Ebert got wrong. And this is another one. That Roger Ebert missed. He called like, it an agonizingly no, bad vampire movie. Noted, noted pervert Roger Ebert. This should be right <laughs> up his alley. But what he says is, yes, The Hunger is an agonizingly bad vampire movie circling around an exquisitely effective sex scene. So at least he admits that that, you know, that you five minutes thing, right? is really, mm-hmm. really good. And it's, it's interesting because it definitely has gotten you know like more modern audiences have enjoyed this a lot more and it's so funny like we talk about this a lot where uh sometimes if you really enjoy a movie even a bad review you're like yeah i totally i totally agree with that you're correct Mm -hmm. but i don't know why you didn't there's some review where they kind of talk about like this movie is just an excuse to have Catherine deneuve david bowie and susan sarandon have sex at different points and i'm like yeah that's i mean vampire movies are about sex like they're about sexual desire. They're about the the thing we're not supposed to have. Like that's the that's the whole deal, man. Like what did you what did you expect going in with a vampire movie? Just just you knew there's a vampire movie with David Bowie. Did you expect this was going to be chased? Like what it, <laughs> what are you looking for here, man? Like this is not meant to be a life changing artistic experience. This is meant to be fun, and it is. And I like that it has a twist on the vampire genre, like the way this movie ends, where you basically, you basically find out that like, basically only the original vampire doesn't age. Everyone else does. And I was like, Oh, 
wow, that's extra dark. And I really, I really dug that. And that's something I haven't seen. I've seen a lot of vampire movies. That's something I hadn't seen in other vampire movies. And I think that's really interesting because not only is it the temptation of eternal life, but that temptation is a lie. Like you're being used in that circumstance essentially for food and companionship. And I was like, oh, I kind of, kind of dig that in this movie. I also liked the, uh, the sort of gender swap nature of it mm. that yeah. Catherine Deneuve is the one constantly having a you know <laughs> the concept of a trophy wife be it uh, yeah. David Bowie or Susan Sarandon yep. uh, going for a younger model now it may take a little bit longer <laughs> it may yes. take yes. a century but that she can continue to move forward and for her those experiences remain valid but she's always going to leave like she doesn't right. look always. back at her ex-lovers as uh, that there's something that they did. It's just, you know, I mean, everybody's been dumped at some point in their life and it's sometimes more angering. Um, mm-hmm. the more gracious the dumper is with you. Yes, like, yes. Oh, it's just about, you know, this point I'm at in my life. And of course here in this vampire mythology, it's, you're getting fucking old and I'm, I'm staying the same age. And that's something that other vampire stories have kind of touched upon. Like when you, like we did a, a, an episode, um, I believe for a podcast directed by like a Patreon bonus episode. So I have no idea how many people actually <laughs> three listen people to it. probably three heard people. That. Sure. Yes. Uh, lucky bastards um, for interview with a vampire. And usually you see it uh, like in that instance with a child, uh, Kirsten Dunst's character who uh, will never grow up. It's going to be this sort of Peter Pan like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. complex. Um, but here it's, I do really enjoy that. Um, it's really about one person's ability to keep living their best life. It's almost like a, a classist kind of look at mm. things where it's like someone will always just walk on the backs of others and then move to the next thing. It's, a, it's Catherine Deneuve is some sort of weird influencer here where it's like, you know, um, I can just go over to Paris and maybe I'll take a lover there and things will never really stick with me. But these people, I'm going to use up the best of their days and then cast them aside lovingly in a coffin <laughs> that we keep in the basement or the attic. And when we, I did this sort of combination, Dave, that's the sort of energy that I wanted from Eternals. It was strange to me yeah. that in concept, I felt like the Eternals in certain regards could have been so, mopey and dour about their existence why i feel like i get more of that in like captain america like when iron man's mad at him that that there's more of like grief and anguish over like the the uh the 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 moral uh qualms that they face as far as you know which thing do i hit with my shield and in the eternals I don't know if it was maybe maybe it was too much of like going to like a family reunion in Eternals where it's like they're getting ready for, you know, we're recording this on Thanksgiving week for the family squabbles. And if you're mm-hmm. an outsider to that family, you're like, I don't really give a shit. Like, I wish right. you'll just stop talking. Maybe just break up. Right. Hunger gives me those breakups. You can move oh, on. Yeah. Have lesbian sex with Susan Sarandon. You can <laughs> move forward. Um, but yeah, it's, it's one of the, uh, I would also, if we were doing like another theme, I would put it, uh, with like high fidelity as far as like, it's mm-hmm. a great movie about breakups, uh, yeah. the hunger, um, the revenge is, you know, a bit much, but I guess probably <laughs> necessary. I mean, what else are you going to do? I mean, like how else do you break Turn up with, to these, dust. with these old, old bald monsters? Like get them out of my sight. <laughs> 
No, I mean, I and a lot of reviews kind of like they mention this a lot because I think they don't know what else to say as they call it undeniably cool. And I think that is a accurate representation. Like it looks cool. Everyone also, in this acts cool. It's cool. Unapologetic about it too. Yeah. I mean, it yeah. has the look of uh, here's a filmmaker um, and the collaborators that are telling you what's cool. It's like we're not even going to entertain the notion of you like – you know, do you think our movie's cool? No, we're no, just going to say we announce ourselves. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. And it was interesting watching this because you know it opens with that club scene as you talked about, and there's a particular song by a group called Bauhaus called "Bella Lugosi is Dead." Um, and it's interesting you talk about this announces itself as cool because you know this happens, and I'm sure this is because of this movie. If you ever went to like a goth night at a club. I guarantee you, at least once that song gets played. And that song is like a nine-minute song. But it always gets played because, I think, because of this. Because this came out, what, 1983? Yes. Um, so, yeah. So, I think everyone's kind of looking back at the, the coolest, most goth movie ever, which is The Hunger. And this is a movie that I, I'm going to need to buy. And it's going to need to be like in kind of consistent rotation because it it would also be a good background movie because it has it just has a cool look and it's got good sound design and there's a lot going on. And it's just it's just cool, Mike. And like we don't have enough cool movies now. We're so consumed with like the conglomerate making another billion dollars that we've forgotten how to make distinctive, cool, sexy movies. And that's what you get in The Hunger. I have a uh, splat on Eternals from Sean Gilman of uh, Seattle screen scene. Okay. <laughs> he said it's just going off what you're saying. The opening sequence of The Hunger versus the entirety of Eternals. <laughs> All of the uh, Eternals. his splat. It's baffling how low energy Eternals is. It looks yeah. like a film made by people who work in an office. <laughs> I mean, it, it kind of is. That's basically exactly. saying you were not cool. Like, how dare you make yes. something this um, uncool? Which I, I mean, I don't know. That's it, it may be piling on a bit much because well. what was the last Marvel movie that was cool? Has there been a cool Marvel? movie i mean i think tim and you know this is of course it's all going to be like personal preference right but i think the only ones that come close are like the the original guardians um because that was there like a again outlandish and different. dave is demanding james gunn the, more james an gunn <laughs> and um what was the uh what was the captain america sequel winter soldier i mean that's got i think mainly because of the fight scenes and mainly because of kind of the the kind of shadow version of Captain America we get in there. I think that has some cool aspects to it. Um, and it's also got, I mean, it's got Robert Redford. Like you're, you're just going to make a cool movie. If you put Redford in your movie. Here's okay. Let me, let me attack diversity a little bit. here. <laughs> okay. I can't wait. I'm glad that it's finally you on the chopping block well, and not you twisting my words. I appreciate that. I actually think if we were doing like a full on, like, thematic one-to-one the movie that came to my mind not just because i wanted to watch susan strandon have sex which i mean i do who but, doesn't um yes. uh was ava duvernay's um a wrinkle in time which came out mm. in 2018 spring yeah. 2018 maybe um that felt the closest approximation to eternals and i know i'm mm. going with a, a person of color female filmmaker who's getting the disney money I do think that film was more interesting because it's, yeah. it's weird. It's far weirder than Eternals and some of the choices. And Eternals has an make. opportunity to be weird at every turn, and yeah, yet yeah. it isn't. Yes. And I, I, you know, I didn't like A Wrinkle in Time, but I would have respected Eternals more. And, you know, they, they've got more – like this didn't work out. 
but they have more audience buy-in just because it's Marvel that maybe you can bring them down and you can have the, the mm-hmm. fucking talking raccoon, which Guardians of the Galaxy did. I, you know, right. I thought that would be the first misfire, and they, they continued Dude, on. Dude, Guardians of the Galaxy literally has a cum joke in it. Like that, I mean, that movie is, I can't believe that movie exists. I can't move, believe that families took their kids to see that movie. There's some, there's some line in there about like, if you got a black light in here, it looked like a Jackson Pollock painting. And it was like, what? Well, thank God for the, the, the white guys, the straight white guys, you know. Uh, no, <laughs> I can't remember which Fairly Brother directed Green Book, but, you know, also a man who comes from cum jokes in yeah, cinema to absolutely. great success. This is what uh, we need. <laughs> <laughs> but getting back to me picking on, you know, diverse directing choices, uh-huh. uh, is I, are they not allowed to be mean spirited in their filmmaking? Do they, is there's this added pressure, uh, mm. where you feel you're, you're not just speaking for, uh, you know, over a century of white guy filmmaking right? that you have to be completely earnest with all of your characters, even when they're incredibly flawed and not see their comeuppance in some way because not to totally spoil Eternals, but even the ones who are, I guess the wrong side of Eternals history <laughs> within their little, their little family are, are given the grace to sort of exit on their terms. Like, it's like, we all like, yes, you tried to end all of humanity on earth, like the greatest genocide possible, <laughs> but it's like, like if we're making a movie about, you know, Hitler who has a bad day here, do we give him the opportunity to leave the stage with yeah. like you know with honor? I'm sorry, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I, and I'm like, there's no way. Like I and you know I'm I'm going to the hunger, but like I like Catherine Deneuve's character. I I agree with her breakups, even though I think maybe she's not been the most forthcoming about how yeah. relationships ends. <laughs> But there is a spite and certainly a, a meanness to her mm-hmm. comeuppance in the yeah. hunger. Uh, even Susan Sarandon gets to kill her <laughs> boyfriend, and she doesn't want to go full vampire. But he's cast aside. Why? Why are we allowing even like sort of the villains of the piece? Like, why? I don't, I don't know. There's this just sweetness that, and I don't know if it's just. Uh, that they feel like they have to bear the brunt of a, a different viewpoint entirely than what you know a white dude would do, where it's like someone just rips, like Zack Snyder, someone just rips someone's head off or something. I think I think this comes from the no one ever really dies thing in comic books, right? So in in a movie like The Hunger, like granted they did like kind of set it up sequel, like you know, like she survives, but like it's like you said, it's it's cruel. It's a vicious way to end this movie. And you can't really do that in a comic book movie if you're trying to build a character that people are going to buy again. Um so I think that's why they always let these characters like have their honor. Like even I mean, even Loki like even like a flat out villain, a, a man who was like he you also know, tried to wipe out the planet, right? You know, Numerous times and stabbed creatures. his own yeah. brother. I mean, you know, so that it's like, oh no, but he's an anti-villain. I guess we're gonna give him his own show, and you can't do that if you treat your characters like a like a Hitler, right? Like even so even not- the characters responsible for nuclear technology and nuclear bombs, like we view him as, but he's a nice guy. Look at his cute little face. So. I think that's a, an interesting point because so you're not saying that it's from necessarily 
a um, sort of a minority perspective of the world, uh, that it's mainly the sandbox that they're playing in yeah. that sort of forces them to move the characters around in a somewhat unnatural way. Because that is fair. I think, you know, even the I mean, I think it's two things. I think guilty it's a, of that as well. With Dick yeah, oh, absolutely. Killing a main yes. character and then becoming like a buddy cop comedy yeah. with one of the other I mean, characters. I think it's partially the sandbox, but you can make comic book movies that have definitive ends but i don't think marvel and disney have any interest in that because they never know what people are going to latch onto, and they always want the ability to bring these folks back in some way and make them the lead or make them show up in someone else's movie and be like oh remember we like that guy that guy's great so we can't have him you can't like re you can't throw the book at him at the end of the movie, you have to be like, well, I can understand why he made the choices he did. I, I don't agree with it, but I get it. So that way, when he comes back later, you can be like, okay, that's fine. I remember why he made those choices. It's kind of a – it's a cowardly move. Um, and that's what that's what Marvel does. They're cowards. Meanwhile, I was throwing the book <laughs> at uh, Ava for uh, Wrinkle in Time because I'm like, you know, those kids in the book I read that was when I was a kid, they were kind of weird. Like weird little shits, and uh, yeah. instead they're especially they're like, the the younger brother. Yeah, it's really like, fucking weird. Basically, saints in the movie version, or like there's the expectation yeah. they could be a saint. Just give them a little time to and yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I, I guess I'm just want, I'm wanting I'm wanting the same meanness and cruelty we've seen from uh, white guys directing movie for for a century, except uh, with a person of color getting that same opportunity. Yeah, to, uh, to be cruel to their characters. Hell yeah. I would just like Marvel to hire a director and let them fucking work um, instead of getting involved. Hey, it could be worse. There could be a, a Star Wars director. You could just, well, just, you just be gone. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You don't even get your name on this anymore, sir. Where's Ron yeah. Howard? <laughs> Ron Howard is a fine female filmmaker. Uh, <laughs> Patty Jenkins, you've been canceled and replaced right. by, a, by uh, Opie. It's, yeah. <laughs> Good episode, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> we yeah. solved all the I think the we made, made a cinema. mark here. Yes. Shut my mouth!